Fight! Welcome to the Philosophy of Fighting Podcast with your hosts, Arturo and Anu. All right, so we're going to talk about UFC 262. Yeah, where do you want to start, Anu? I feel like uh, there were a lot of themes with uh, yesterday's UFC. Like, Mm -hmm. no A-level Conor McGregor huge names but a lot of names of people that are respected. I think uh, Benil Daryush, who Tony Ferguson lost to, Khabib was saying is the most underrated fighter in the wow. entire division. Tony Ferguson himself is a legend. Jacare is a legend. Mm-hmm. And like, we kind of saw a couple of legends take some brutal losses yesterday, but we saw some new guys lifting themselves up. And, you know, they're going to become those next names. So yesterday felt a little bit like a passing of the torch, at least with those two fights. Yeah, I mean, I feel sad Tony Ferguson lost. I'm a big Tony Ferguson fan. I think it's such a shame that he never was like the champion with a 12-fight win streak. Yeah, it's insane. I feel bad for him, but I believe all the people that love the UFC and mixed martial arts will never forget what he did. You know what I mean? Like, he's kind of like a legend of the sport because of that. Yeah. You know, like, everybody feels like, oh, he got screwed. And everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. So I think, like, yeah, history maybe will forget, which sucks. He I mean, also, he was an interim champion. Not very, not as fruitful as it should have been. I hear what you're saying. But in the end, I feel like he still has the respect. You know? So, like, oh, I mean, th- there's a lot of people that are forgotten. Like, Tony's in the 99.9 percentile of, like, He's a meme, but in a great way, too, you know? Dude, if we're doing, like, Madden rankings, toughness 99 for sure. Oh, my God. What what do you think happened to his leg? If people didn't see, Benil Daryush is a world-class jiu-jitsu artist. He, got, he was, like, actually a world champion as a brown belt and a purple and a blue. And he had the deepest heel hook I've ever seen on somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he uh, inverted heel hooked him. It definitely tore his MCL, whether he realized it or not. I've been in that same exact thing. I've been inverted heel hooked. I tore my MCL and like that was fine to go on, except the next day came. And how did you feel the next day? I couldn't walk for six weeks. You couldn't walk for six. So why? Why? why didn't you tap or did you tap? But yet it, it was, it, I tapped. Right. It was just too late. Like it was just one of those things where it's like guy gets under my heel. I turn like the wrong way just a little bit. And it just adds to like the speed of it. Like it's just too quick. Okay. So it wasn't necessarily negligence on his part or he like, no, no, the guy who much. did it was actually a world champion black belt. It was definitely on my end too. Okay, so yeah, he's all right. So you felt exactly what Ferguson felt a world champion black belt, except the slight. Yeah, but I wasn't is, fighting it like Tony. Yeah. Tony's like, Yeah, I never tap. Like, no, I exactly, tap. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was so deep and it was so vicious. And you saw Tony freak out, scream, and then kind of go silent, scream again, and then kind of go silent. And it was like, it, I, I, in my head, I was like, Did it just rip? And then now he's done with the pain. And so. He also did something too. So like as his leg was getting leg locked, he took his free leg and started healing him, right? Like just yeah. like kicking him. And I've always thought if someone had me in an inverted heel hook in MMA, I would just heal them in the face. Cause like, they're going to either tap me out 
or I get DQ'd or it might be looked at as like, oh, okay, it was incidental. And so I get out because I just kicked them in the face or I get DQ'd. I was going to lose anyway. So like, I'd rather. Was Tony able to reach his face? I think he only kicked him in the chest. No, like the reds. but I, I don't know. Maybe he could have. I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure if people think like that. I, I, for me, I'm always like, <laughs> I push the boundaries a little bit. Well, then Tony definitely thinks like that because he wasn't tapping. And Daryush said in the post-fight press conference, he was like, that was deep. I heard something pop, mm-hmm. but then he wasn't tapping. And then he started kicking me. And he was like, this asshole, like, I got to do something else. And then yeah. he let go of it. And then he, like, kind of went for a mount. But he said he heard something pop. Yeah. And Tony definitely did not walk the same after. And so another one, the Oliver exactly. Armbar, he didn't tap. And that thing looked like it was going the other way far. Even when he versed Gagey, he was just beating his face in. Ugh. And he just wouldn't drop. He wouldn't stop. Like, he is the biggest warrior UFC has probably ever known. And he, he shouldn't fight again because Tony has CTE. Like, yeah. there's there's already, like, talks of, like, how he, like, thinks he's microchipped and he hears mm-hmm. stuff in the walls. Like, his mm-hmm. wife was scared. and Like, Tony's a great dude. But, like, that's why I was bringing up respect a lot earlier. It's like, all right, you have nothing else to fight for now. Like, you know, you're a legend, just chill. Yeah. Like, people love you. Have your schools, you know? Like, do. Yeah, I don't know if Tony's the type to just, like, ride off into the sunset. Like, even if UFC don't want him, he's going to bare knuckle. Like, I think that guy's going to be one of those guys that fights till he dies. Oh, my God. I think I could see him in bare knuckle. I would not want to see him in bare knuckle. That's exactly where he would go. Like, that type of thing. No, we can't have Tony. I know. (laughs) Do that. I think that's the interesting thing about mixed martial arts too. I was like thinking over it because also Jacare's arm broke, you know, and Jacare's mm. world, like one of the greatest Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners ever. And he got his arm broken in an arm bar. Mm-hmm. Like other sports, like sometimes like, all right, who cares if Albert Pujols plays till he's like 43 and sucks? Like, you know, mm. like it's baseball, like nothing's going to happen. You get fat, like there's no risk. And like, People are like retired just because they want more money for their team so they could get other players. But in like MMA, it's like, yo, retire, please. Cause like we're so worried about like these guys and it's such a brutal sport. Like, mm-hmm. it's yeah, like, it's dude, rough. I mean, they need their paycheck a little more than those other players. So, yeah. And that too. And that's what makes it so like yeah. unfortunate. Like, mm-hmm. That's why I, always, I feel for football players too, because football players also don't make that much money, at least like the O-line and like some of these like inner, like very short careers. Yeah. Short, like the average, I think O-lineman plays only three years and like same thing with like D-line, like most people are out of the league. Last month, even, there was a player that, um, oh, what was his name? Some NFL player. I think he was like a journeyman for a handful of years and uh, his doctor denied him some medical, some prescription. This just happened like last month. I forget his name. And he went to the house of the doctor who was a grandfather, shot him, his family, including the grandkids, and then shot himself. It was something crazy like that. Oh, my God. And it just makes you think like and that wasn't even like huge news, which is kind of surprising because he he himself wasn't like a big name. You looking up right now? Yeah. Philip Adams. There you he go. used to be on the he used to be on the 49ers. Mm-hmm. He 
killed his doctor, three family members, and a repairman before shooting himself. That's right. There was like an AC like um, repairman or something. It had nothing to do with it. Killed him too. You're like, Jesus. Uh, Isn't that wild? And, and again, you, you think about these things. You're like, CTE, he's young. Like, is this another example? Yeah, you can't. I feel guilty because I didn't even want Tony fighting part of me didn't want Tony fighting since the news came out about him, like hearing things hundred percent, but then yeah. it was like, maybe he could get better. And it's like him and Khabib were supposed to fight. It was like the ultimate like fairy tale fight. And mm -hmm. then it was like, all right, maybe he's fine. But then Gagey fucked him up. And then it was mm -hmm. like, no, this isn't good. And then it was like Oliveira happened and it kind of felt like, well, Oliveira's not the greatest, like, you know, like he's still rising and stuff. Maybe mm -hmm. this could be Tony. Like, Give him one more time to go out on his shield, and then he got fucked up. And then I was—I didn't know what to expect this fight. I kind of wasn't. I, I think it just Gagey happened everything. I—I I, I have like a personal dislike for Gagey just because of this, because he beat Tony. I feel like he ended Tony's career, and then he also messed up the chances of Tony Khabib. Oh. And then he just gets like smacked by Khabib. I'm like, ah, oh, Gagey, you ruined everything. Oh, I know. Gagey probably feels a little bit guilty. But not. I love Gagey, too. It's, yeah, Tony shouldn't be fighting anymore. Jacare shouldn't be fighting anymore. But so many of these people have to fight. That's why they do need a union, and they should have some sort of pension, at least, where they're getting, like, 50 grand or something, you know, 100, like, some money per yeah. year, where it's like, all right, this should cover some bills and yeah. should be healthy, at least. I love how like Dana White's getting like applause for raising the fighter bonuses from 50k to 25k. There's three fighter bonuses a night. So like all he did was add another bonus. $75,000. You know I mean? like, yeah, yeah, like oh huge He's, deal. Like it's not like everyone's getting that. Guarantee he spends that on coke a year, you know, <laughs> or hookers. Like not even hookers like a month in Vegas. Like mm. White's not cheap with that you know like mm -hmm. and twenty five thousand extra is like nickels like it's like come on you should be giving a hundred thousand per finish no matter what you know and like you'll have a better sport i and the fact that john jones isn't fighting francis Ngannou, like this is what's keeping the ufc from being like soccer you know like yeah well, world how class. about this to top that you know he say offered him john jones for stipe John Jones turned down Stipe. So now Dana's like, okay, well, Stipe just gets the automatic rematch. Whoever wins between Derek Lewis and Francis Naganu, that's who's fighting Stipe. And you're like, I get it. Stipe deserves it. But damn, John Jones is fighting nobody for a while. I know. And it's, I don't like John Jones at all as a person. Like, I think he's annoying. Mm -hmm. Like, but still, you have to have the best go against the best. You know, he's like, yeah, how are you weird. how are you a sport you know and you could be a worldwide him versus Nganu. it's an automatic win for the ufc because if Nganu wins he's the scariest guy since mike tyson and if john jones wins he's the goat easily no matter what yeah i think you just have two parties that one don't like each other and two are super stubborn so i don't think anything's going to transpire between john jones and dana white anytime soon that's what keeps the UFC from being the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. This type of greed. And I think this is like, yeah, this is what happens everywhere. But somebody that's not greedy and that's awesome is Charles Oliveira. Yeah.
And, and, and I feel like even though there's a lot of things that are like, yeah, we could be griping about, we should also talk about how Oliver is just the man. All right, let's talk, let's talk about that main event. It was awesome. Was it, was it, was it what you expected? Like how did, and no, uh, I expected Chandler to beat him much, much like how Chandler was in the first round. I expected it to kind of be like that Chandler on top, just playing that like wrestler short strike control, like strength type game. And so after seeing how the first round ended, I was like, oh, Chandler's got this. I'll probably put it away early in the second round. And then Oliveira stops him at the beginning. Of, I, I couldn't believe it. That's so exciting, though. And such a beautiful left hook. And then, like, one of the gripes on Oliveira since he's been fighting in the UFC since he's 20 was that when he faces some adversity, sometimes he wilts. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, maybe that's who he was at 22 when he's a young kid fighting, like, these warriors. Right. But now it's like a 31-year-old, and he's like a man. He, he said... A lot of people used to think I was a boy fighting amongst lions. And today I show you that I am a lion fighting mm. amongst lions. And like, that's exactly what he did. He took Chandler's best shots when he was on the ground with that bad shot on Chandler. And he was getting Dude, I thought it was almost over. Yeah. But he was still moving. Like he was still driving. He was still like working on his defense while he was down and he survived and then came back strong in the second round. And he didn't let loose, but he also didn't, like a lot of people get sloppy, you know, when they have somebody on the ropes and he just kept staying like firm and solid. And mm-hmm. It was outstanding. And, and who's not rooting for that guy? You know, Michael Chandler also took the loss really well, too. S- such a classy dude. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like I've become fans of fighters even more once they lose. I felt that way with like Jorge mm-hmm. after he lost this last fight against Usman. And he was just like, yeah, that's a great shot. I respect it. I was like, that's the Jorge I like, you know, yep. and I like and and Chandler at first I didn't love when he came to the UFC, but now I'm like, all right, I love you. You're a good yep. dude. Like you're a warrior. And for people that don't know, Charles Oliveira, when he was young at seven years old, like he had a bone rheumatitis, something where, and the heart murmur, they were like, yo, he might not be able to walk. He had to get like shots like for like years at a time, every two weeks. Like, and he's from like one of the poorest areas of Brazil, and he mm-hmm. still lives there. Like he I didn't know any there, of this. Yep. He's still, but in a slightly bigger house and he just gives food to everybody and is like helping everyone always. And now he, he's like the first Brazilian champion in a little bit, you know, like Brazil used to dominate. And then now like they kind of disappeared a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. What's crazy too is how long he's been in the UFC. Like it's such a, it's refreshing to see someone who's 11 years or something. Mm-hmm. that's remarkable oh. and like now is the time he finally hits it and he's not even old he was just so young when he got onto the scene uh one little fact about charles Oliveira: that was the most amount of ring time before somebody fought a championship and the last person that did that mm-hmm. was mike michael bisbing and michael bisbing won the championship but he was older at this time and then mm-hmm. now like Oliveira is 31 so this is like one of the first fighters i feel like we've seen from like baby to like growth and they're still young and this long it's like a very yeah. unique fighter and yeah now he brings a championship back to brazil to the favela his nickname uh do bronx i didn't know this but they call favelas which are slums like the bronx in portuguese and so he's like charles Oliveira from the like the favela like johnny from the hood you know mm. it's like such a simple good name and I didn't think he was that type of person with his like bleach blonde hair and his glasses. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I just assumed they 
he seemed like some rich kid type, like that was just awesome at jujitsu. And here he is just like somebody from the hood who was poor, who wasn't even supposed to walk, who became a champion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very easy to root for someone like Charles Oliveira. And plus, like, what is he, top five in most finishes in UFC history? Like, who doesn't love a fighter that's always finishing people? Actually, he holds the record for the most submission wins. The, the most submission wins, I know. But I think just in terms of finishes, because of his most submissions and the fact that he's now getting like, a, he's got more TKOs recently than subs. So now mm-hmm. it's just like total finishes. He's ranking amongst the top ever too now. Great dude. Great style. Good at everything. Yeah, I love and it. If he fights Poirier or McGregor, that's an amazing fight too. And I love that it's like a fight we haven't seen. Yeah, so do you think he beats either one? I feel like he could beat either one, and he could lose to either one, which makes them so exciting. Like, they're just going to be great fights. Yeah, all right. I'm on board with you there. I can see things going a lot of different ways. I wonder if he would, because Poirier and McGregor are great strikers, right? Probably better than Chandler, but they don't have the power of Chandler. Yeah. So what's scary? Well, uh, McGregor does. Okay, McGregor does, but it's been a while since we've seen it. And That's Chandler, true. people are really questioning if McGregor's good at all anymore. But I mean, MMA fans are so fickle in that instance. You know, they're like two losses or something a few years, and they're like, "Ah, oh, he's done." No, no, obviously he's not done. Like McGregor mm. is awesome; he's world class. But I don't. Think I actually I'm think gonna... McGregor stands a better chance against Oliveira than maybe Poirier does. Yeah, why do you say that? Because of McGregor's stance and style, he's like. He covers great ground. He's got a good reach advantage for, you know, those that weight class. Like at 170, I don't, I don't know. I don't think he's as good. At 155, he has a lot more of a reach advantage. And the way like that karate stance, that in and out, like he covers ground and distance quick in ways that like he doesn't get hit much. And uh, Oliveira is not one to really, he won't overextend himself. But he also throws like a lot of hooks. And I just don't think that's in the range of McGregor. Like, I think McGregor is going to be in and out, kicks and punches. It would just be a harder matchup, I think, versus McGregor. Do you think Oliveira could take McGregor down? I, he, I don't he think took like down he took Tony. Yeah, but that's like when you get caught in an incidental tie-up. That's not like me shooting in for a takedown. You know what I mean? Like that, that's how Oliveira's takedowns come about. He's not wrestling and shooting in on doubles. I or felt singles like he was or... really wrestling against Tony. I have to revisit that fight, but he wanted to take him down a bunch and he did good body locks. Yeah. I mean, I'm again, Tony's takedown defense isn't the greatest either, but yeah, I just, yeah, I don't neither know is about that versus McGregor. Yeah. I think there's a chance Oliveira's an underdog to either Poirier and McGregor, like to both of them. There's a chance. It, it, you know what? It, it'll it. all depend on what the McGregor Poirier fight looks like, what those odds will be for the winner versus because like, let's say Poirier beats McGregor. If Poirier beats McGregor, maybe like a questionable decision or something. Oliveira is going to be the favorite. OK, but if uh, Poirier the- puts McGregor away in the first round, then we might see Poirier be the favorite. But uh, by the way, Conor McGregor's last knockout was over Eddie Alvarez, November 12, 2016. So it'll nice. be like almost five years since he's knocked somebody out. Yeah, oh, so no, no. About, I'm sorry. About... 
Donald Cerrone. He fucked up Donald Cerrone just January 2020. Okay, yeah. Okay, now those two fights, those two fighters have won like a combined three fights in maybe five, six years. Yeah. Combined. Yeah, and he lost to Khabib. Maybe even longer than that, actually. Maybe like seven years. It's it's pretty bad. Yeah. And who did he also, the last victory too, before that was Nate Diaz. And let's see how Diaz does against Edwards next month. I'm excited for that. I'm such a optimist like i'm always like oh this is the chance like bj penn is finally like you know what maybe i know i'm with you i think i do the same thing too we get this emotional attachment i love nate i'm I'm gonna bet on him i don't care i love nate this is why they get cte because we're always rooting for them like yo love you you're the one for nick to come back i'm like i don't think nick should come back i know i feel only it's logan paul like fuck him like i feel like that's fair Yo, did you see that? The, yeah. Did you see the pictures or the videos with uh, Nick Diaz versus Tyson Fury? Not yep. versus, but they were just training together. Yep. He's teaching him groundwork. This guy's teaching him boxing. Yeah, I love it. I love he it. He did a single leg on Tyson. He kind of came in really quick, and I was like, "Yo, I feel like he could take down Tyson Fury. Like, easy. Like, that would be fun. I would yeah. love to just see that. Like, that would be a fun fight. Yeah, that'd be fun. I, I do want to see more boxers and MMA crossover. I don't care which one goes to which. I'm, I'm a sucker for it. I don't care. Yeah. Any type of combat is fun to watch and you want to see how yeah. these people challenge themselves. And I hope more of the people go into grappling so they avoid the CTE, but we could see them compete. Yeah, maybe. Even, I wish. I don't know. Because like it's so different, like MMA grappling versus like just grappling, you know, that's why I like the idea of combat jujitsu. I just wish they did like treat it like combat sambo, just wear MMA gloves and just hit each other on the floor. Like there's no striking from stand-up. So no, once it's to I, the floor, there should be striking. And I think like that would be the best means of minimizing CTE. Yeah. But I'm talking about in my head, I was thinking more for people like Tony Ferguson and Jacare, and I don't want to see them get hit anymore. And even so I'm those just like, guys. yeah, even those guys. I no, think like- I just want them to just choke people out. <laughs> like do, do cool stuff. Like no more getting hit in the head. But I, I I get what you're saying for like other people and like some stuff that's like a good gray area. But I want them in the white area, the safer area, <laughs> like where nothing bad happens to them. Like let's just keep them safe. All right, I know? do want to talk about one more thing from the UFC that last night: the Edson Barbosa knockout on Shane Burgos. Mm. Did you see that? I didn't see the fight, but I saw yeah the knockout. The knockout. How wild is that? So for the people that didn't see it, Edson Barbosa had a nice like one-two combo on Shane Burgos. And this was in the third round, like after they've had a war. And right after this combo, Burgos kind of took it, picked his hands up, backed up a little bit, and then just kept backing up faster and faster and collapsed. So it took like two seconds almost for the knockout to register in his head. Yeah, Almost. I would say it's actually more than two seconds. I'd say it was closer to like five seconds where like it was like playing a video game and you had lag. You know yes, what I mean? That, you were that's like, what it looked like, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Like no strikes are being thrown and now he's down. You're like, whoa, that, it was really weird, the delay of that knockout. But like it looked very legit and authentic. Like no one's questioning like, oh, he threw the fight. Because that's how it might sound to a listener right now. There's no question on that. Like he got rocked. 
but the delay of that hit just took a little bit and he was clearly out after that and i was kind of sad to see people were dana white said he was like bring him to the hospital now (laughs) like after Uh, this like and I, I mean, they should be doing that with every knockout anyway. Like, why not? But yeah, I, I really like Shane Burgos too. Um, I know I was rooting for him. He's he's pretty sick. I just know that Edson Barbosa is also sick. And I think who did he fight? Uh, he had a fight recently. He won the fight before that. He fought Dan Ige in a close, what I would consider controversial split decision. But mm-hmm. I could have saw being given to Edson Barbosa. So if, if you discredit like that loss, if you're like, oh, he won that fight, which I, I would argue you could argue that that dude is good in two weight classes and winning a bunch. Edson Barbosa, I feel like has had one of the hardest schedules ever. I'm going to read you who Edson Barbosa has fought. He's 35 now. Mm-hmm. So seven years ago, he fought Donald Cerrone and lost. That was mm-hmm. his second fight. That was when Cerrone was amazing. Mm-hmm. He beat Evan Dunham when Evan Dunham was really good. He beat wow. Bob, Bobby Green. Mm-hmm. He lost good. to Michael Johnson. Okay. Then he beat Paul Felder in a war. Then mm-hmm. he lost to Tony Ferguson. Then he mm-hmm. beat Anthony Pettis when Pettis was sl- starting to decline, but still great. Mm-hmm. He beat Gilbert Men- Melendez. He beat Benil Dariush, who's now mm-hmm. doing really good. He lost to Khabib. He lost to Kevin Lee. He beat Dan Hooker crushed and murdered dan hooker yeah lost like, to justin gagey mm-hmm. lost to paul felder lost to dan Ish. that's a crazy hard schedule i feel like yeah yeah it, yeah that's that's a ridiculous schedule i feel like he's like the ufc's favorite gatekeeper because he also just looks yes. mad strong like a great fighter and yeah he's highlight reel. ripped jacked he's like superhero look yeah best body in the ufc <laughs> <laughs> Edson Barbosa just looks like one of those guys, like, oh, shit. And I feel like he's almost like kind of Donald Cerrone. He's just always game, like always a great fighter, mm-hmm. like tough as nails. And if you can beat him, you can be a champion. Yeah. Yeah. He is that gatekeeper. Yeah. Gatekeeper has like kind of like almost a, a negative, negative connotation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but i kind of think it's awesome like you are the one that manages the gate like you know like in or out like that's like a lot of power like you only give that to people that are respectable you know like right if you, you were the to gatekeeper really- to heaven or hell you'd be like oh shit that guy's really important you're right <laughs> exactly and, and fun fact anoop is actually another form of anubis he was the gatekeeper for the egyptians ah cool in the underworld yeah so maybe maybe i'm just trying to hype myself up but i I think (laughs) i i feel that way like gatekeepers journeymen you know people make fun of journeymen but it's like you know they're good enough to go on that journey like you know like you're not on that journey like you have to be good enough to get there and so like i don't know stay there yeah and stay there and Mm -hmm. for everybody to be like all right, you're that level. Like you are the master of that level. And and all these people are good enough anyway, where any moment in a training session, they're capable of beating the best ever. Like, I feel like to me, that's good enough. Like, you know, you, you reach that pinnacle where you are even for a moment, the best in the world, like that's sick. And I feel like there's a lot of people in the world that could do that. Yeah, I think more and more people are realizing that now too. Like, how many people do you think there are in the world that could beat Charles Oliveira or any champion? That's okay. Let's not say any champion. Just people in the world and whether like they're in UFC or not. Exactly. Right. Like it's gotta be like 50 at least. Right. Yeah. I, I do think it's like that. Yeah. 
I don't know if it's like a hundred or two hundred, but like, because that's like any given moment. But even then, at that point, like, you gotta figure there's like ten million people training something in the world. Yeah, and there's that point. one guy that has your kryptonite. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, out of ten like, million. If there's a mm-hmm. hundred people, even that's amazing, and that's only a hundred people at any moment. Where yeah. nine out of ten times, you could still probably beat ninety percent of those people. You know, like. Yeah, I would think so. So, yeah. And that's what I love about this sport. So I feel like, yeah, yesterday's just to go full circle. I think like yesterday's UFC was like, yeah, one of those UFCs where maybe it wasn't like great for just like the random fan, but for like the lover of the sport, like I feel like there was like a lot of history happening and also like torches being passed. Like it was like a lot of substance. Yeah, I'm with you. That's a good way to put it. I hadn't really thought about, but now that you say that, you're pretty spot on yeah thanks for listening to the philosophy of fighting podcast if you have any questions suggestions or if you would like to fight us send us a dm on instagram at philosophy underscore fighting